Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, Joy Dooling here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. So I don't know if you'll be able to hear it in my voice. I think you might be able to. But this interview with Marjoine Kennedy really did make my heart happy. I love the work that Marjoine is doing at Kennedy Foundation for the Arts, an organization that she founded to connect professional artists to youth of color through arts education, community, live theater, mentorship, and professional development. In all things offered through the foundation, Marjoine aims to positively impact these youth as they develop into adulthood. It's truly work that matters. Marjoine herself brings an extensive resume to the leadership role that she's playing. She is an award-winning Caribbean-American producer, director, writer, performer, entrepreneur, and educator. Her work spans theater, film, TV, children's media, literature, and has been seen at the John F. Kennedy Center, Sesame Street, the Smithsonian, Harlem Stage, the Lincoln Center, the Atlas Performing Arts Center, and the Miami Book Fair. She is the CEO and author of the children's media brand, Callaloo Kids, in which she penned four children's books while adapting these stories onto international stages and into digital media. Her resume and list of accomplishments simply goes on and on and on, but her legacy I believe, will surely be in the impact that she's having in the lives of these kids. And there's nothing to me more admirable than that. I invited Marjoine here this week to talk about building relationships with sponsors, something that she has ample experience doing. It's a care point that I believe every organization needs to thoughtfully consider. So as you listen to this interview with Marjoine, I encourage you to be thinking about the sponsors that your organization could potentially reach out to and how you might create win-win connections between them and the members you serve. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Marjoine Kennedy. Marjoine, welcome to the program. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much, Joy. I'm glad to be here. Well, I would love to introduce you to the podcast listeners. So why don't you tell us who you are and who you help? 
Yeah, my name is Marjuan Kennedy, and I am the executive director and founder of the Kennedy Foundation for the Arts. And we are a 501c3 nonprofit based in Washington, D.C., and we serve young people of color between the ages of three little ones all the way up to 18 by providing arts education experiences, workshops, live performances, and connecting them to professional artists of color who look like them. So there is a mentorship and entrepreneurial aspect to the work that we do and giving them the tools they need to survive in the world, as well as the confidence in um, themselves and their culture to find their own voice. I love that. That is such an awesome mission. So I don't know if you knew this about me, but I'm a social worker by education. So anything that can be done to wrap around young people and just help them have the support of their community and help them connect with what they're passionate about. I mean, that's just such important work. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> I wanted to have a conversation with you today about sponsorships. Because obviously leading a nonprofit and the work that you've done, you've probably had quite a bit of experience with finding sponsors for projects and connecting with sponsors. Can you tell us a little bit about what your background is related to sponsors and why they've been important to your work? Yeah, well, sponsorship is a huge part of the work that we do, not only with the Kennedy Foundation for the Arts, CFA, but also with my work as a creative artist, a filmmaker, I'm a um, theater director, writer, producer. So this is just how our work gets funded. So if you think about how shows that are on Broadway and then shows that are produced regionally, there is still that element in how our work gets seen, um, you know, to a larger audience. So for me, just being in the creative industry and then working in the nonprofit industry, we are very, very connected to companies that align with our mission, who believe in our work. And really, it's about finding partners, people who, you know, really connect on the same level with what you're trying to do and specifically in the community. So we are always kind of on the lookout for what organizations, what corporate companies are looking to connect around the the core areas that, you know, our audience. So youth-related, education, art space, the creative industries, the entrepreneurial industries, and then also companies that support women-owned businesses, Black, Indigenous, people of color organizations. So I think... Um, it's, it's definitely something as a nonprofit leader to always keep an ear and eye out and really using your own resources. I think over the last seven years, as we work in our organization, trying to figure out how to fund what it is that we do and pay the people that work with us, I would say about I would say about 60 percent of that that funding came from sponsorships. Sponsorships, donations, and grants to kind of just think about the the chart and how our work gets funded, which really all nonprofits work in that capacity. So sponsorships is a huge, huge element of what we do. 
Well, it seems like there was there was a time way back in way back <laughs> way back in the distance that sponsors would sponsor just to have their, you know, logo in the brochure or somehow attached to the organization. And my sense is that that simply doesn't work today. Like sponsors won't engage just to get a logo on a brochure. What has your experience around that been? Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you. I would say 10 years ago, sponsorship was very different from today. I think specifically because we are living in the social media age, knowing that you have an active audience is a huge part of finding and building relationships with sponsors because they're really looking, depending on who your sponsor is, they're trying to tap into the audience you already have. So the incentive behind it, it's not just for them now about having their logo attached to your website. They want to know how many people are are going to your website and what's the data behind that. And now it's how many people are following you on social media? What's that engagement like? And who are those people exactly? So Just for example, if Pampers was a sponsor for a a baby focus or a toddler focus program that we're producing, they would maybe want to know how many moms specifically are engaged in your programs, how many children, how many babies do we serve on a regular basis. So it's really thinking about the sponsor that you're trying to get, you want to really think about who your audience is and how they can benefit from it as well. Yeah, I think creating those win-win relationships are really important to thinking creatively about how sponsors can actually be engaged in your programming, not just in name or in logo, but how they can bring value to the table and how your members Most of my audience are membership-based organizations, but, you know, how members can bring value to the table for the sponsors. Exactly. In the kind of work that you do, connecting sponsors and the beneficiaries of your programs, I would imagine might be a little tricky because you might not be able to do kind of direct relationships between the two. How is it that you engage sponsors in the programming? Well, I think because our organization is multifaceted in not only the audiences that we serve, but the core ideals of our programming. So like I mentioned before, we, one, serve youth of color. So we address a lot of issues that young people of color are facing, that being racism, sexism, adultification, issues of poverty. So these are all issues that some sponsors believe in those issues as well. So we try to connect a lot of the work thematically to the work that specific sponsors are interested in already engaged in. And they really are looking for a partnership, a relationship. If you think about dating, you want to make sure dating in the sense that you want to go 
further with this particular person. You want to make sure that your values are aligned, that you have similar interests, that you guys want to build something for the future. So I think that's really how we focus on finding sponsors and not just necessarily just blank calling or emailing people, but really looking at who is interested in what we're interested in. And you're constantly, I think, because everybody is interconnected now through social media and online, I feel like there are always opportunities to connect with people who are looking to support programs that really help people. So that is something that all leaders and entrepreneurs, business owners just have to always keep their eye out for who's willing to work with you in the same way you building up that potential sponsor as well. So are you the type of person who's fearless about just reaching out to, to potential sponsors that you think might be interested? Oh, yes. You seem like <laughs> <type of> fearless. <laughs> Well, well, the thing is that when I think back on relationships on how I've gotten, I remember I got like Lyft, like when they first came out to sponsor a program, as well as tapping into like local businesses in the D.C., Maryland area. A lot of it just came from either word of mouth or just emailing and having a professional deck, having a website, just having the things that I could control that were available to me and presented professionally. And you would really be surprised that people are willing to get behind people and organizations that are really committed and doing the work. It's not easy asking for money. <laughs> or asking for, or just asking for anything, especially money. But I think uh, when you put yourself out there and you present yourself and you are committed, you're, you show that you're committed to your own specific community and the work you do, people, I think the universe just kind of brings that to you. So that has really been my experience that I've really just tapped into my own networks and resources. And this person told that person and this person was connected to a larger corporation, then it was, yeah, like, let's get behind this and let's support it. Well, and passion is contagious. If you show Definitely. up with such a deep belief in what you do and why it's important and you're connecting with someone who you think is going to share the the, the passion for that cause, I mean, I, I just think there's a natural synergy there that is created. Now, there are obviously often corporate processes that have to be worked through and stuff. But yeah, I think just bringing that passion and trying to craft a win-win goes a long way. Oh yeah, definitely. And you really can't give up on yourself either because I would say, let's just say in the past I was working on a project or a program. We may have sent out roughly a hundred letters or reaching out to a hundred companies and maybe only 20 of them responded. And from that 20, only five of them followed through. So it, it's really like a numbers game and you really have to stay, stay committed to what you're doing and know that every partner, every uh, potential sponsor is not right for you at that time. Well, Marjorie, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I 
I was speaking with a a client a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how he had identified all of these companies that should be aligned with his organization in terms of their mission, that they should believe in what this organization is doing. And he was having a really hard time just getting them to come to the table for a conversation. And I think some of it is you just have to, you just have to keep going. Even when you feel like they're not responding or they're not being receptive to what you have to offer, you just have to keep moving because it is in part a numbers game for sure. Definitely. And that's my advice to anybody who is building an organization. Just there's going to be a lot of setbacks, not just trying to find sponsors and funding, but you know, in a lot of other areas. And you just have to kind of remember why you started doing this work in the first place. So I definitely have to remind myself that I actually just got a pretty big grant. And I've been, I was rejected from that organization for about four years in a row. So this year, who knows what may have been going on, like in the internals of that organization to fund my company, or maybe it was even the work that I presented was ready at this time. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we don't know, but you just like you said have to keep going. So if someone wants to connect more with you and with the work that you're doing, where should we point them? Yeah, well you can visit us online. Our website is www.kennedyfoundationarts.org. We're also on social media, all the social medias out there at Kennedy Foundation Arts. And we have a lot of great events coming up. We're actually getting ready for a read aloud series called Imagine in Color this coming November to bring awareness to the importance of reading aloud to children. So we are actually having our professional actors in our repertory company uh, bring these stories to life. My children's book series that I wrote so it, it'll be exciting that everything will be virtual. So that is one of our upcoming programs and everyone can learn more about it online on our website. Perfect. And in the interest of building relationships, I have several people I want to introduce you to who I think will be very attracted to the work that you're doing with kids and in the arts. And I, I just think that's fabulous. So if folks out there are listening to this and you want to um, connect with Bourgeois and her work. We'll put the links in the show notes. And I'm just really excited about what you're doing. And thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, of course. And we're all kids at heart. So I feel like even adults can join in the fun. And if you're a parent, that's even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, have a great rest of your day, Bourgeois. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Joy here, back with a few thoughts about this week's episode. Didn't I tell you that Marjoran was really something special? I hope you loved hearing about her work. The truth is that most of the time, what I see organizations doing around sponsorships is definitely more of the give us money and we'll post your logo. And maybe the organization has given some other perks like tickets to an event, maybe a booth in the exhibit hall, things like that. But the harsh reality is that sponsorships framed this way are getting harder to sell. I wonder if you have found that to be true. Sponsors don't want to be 
just a logo or just a booth. They want a meaningful connection. They want to build relationships in your audience with people who share common interests, people who might be interested in what the sponsor has to offer. It is worth spending some time thinking about how you can make such introductions and architect such connections. Could your sponsors offer professional development opportunities? If they don't offer professional development directly, could they be MCs at an event or session hosts? Could they contribute content for your onboarding series or a monthly value-add special mailing? Could they be a host for a networking happy hour? Could they include something that is of value in your welcome kit? There are ways to involve sponsors that are far more meaningful than just having a logo displayed somewhere. The options are limited only by your imagination. Coming up with a workable approach typically begins with a conversation about their goals and what they can contribute that would be of value. Chances are that they are already producing content that would be of value to your members. That's a great starting point. Treating your relationship with a sponsor as a specific hair point is something that a lot of organizations don't really think about. After all, our first priority is members. But sometimes focusing a care point on a complementary partner like a sponsor can make a big, big difference. That brings us to a close on this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Marjuan as much as I did. I'll be back next week with another great interview. In the meantime, take care. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech. Joyofmembership.com slash tech. T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.